Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hooray! We love it in the city of A. Hooray! We love it in A. Welcome to the pod, Iowa State fans. Hooray! Truly, hooray for rains. How about those cyclones? How about those cyclones? How about those peacocks? We got all kinds of stuff going on. We got a lot to discuss. We got the swimming you were at. We got other events. We got March Madness. We can start with Iowa State. Two wins last year, was that right? Two and 22 last year. How many? Two and 22? Yep. Yeah, and now they're in the Sweet 16. Uh, Pat Forty declared them terrible, said they would not get out of the uh, Milwaukee Regional. You were wrong about that and many other things. I was all right, except when I picked Kentucky to win the national championship. That went well. (laughs) Other than, you know, that that pesky (laughs) second-place team from the Mid-Atlantic Athletic Conference. Metro Atlantic. Yeah, whatever. Metro Atlantic. Yeah, so... I, I, I let's do that. Which which one's a bigger stunner that a two win team last year could go to the Sweet Sixteen, or that St. Peter's could go to the Sweet Sixteen? Oh, it's St. Peter's. Uh, I mean, the Mac, not to, not to be confused with the Mac M double A C, has never in it's been around since nineteen eighty has never had a Sweet Sixteen team. And St. Peter's last year in the Ken Pomeroy rankings was number two hundred twenty two. The year before that, 194. The year before that, 316. Among the very, very worst teams in America. And now, you know, if you saw the pictures of their gym, the Run Baby Run Arena, compare that to Rupp Arena. Uh, pretty <laughs> shocking difference. <laughs> so for them to be there, it's, it's phenomenal. It's glorious. This is, we, we, it would have been a real shame if we didn't have one of those complete outlier, you know, smaller programs from a smaller conference in there as it is we have several we have many underdogs this has actually been one of the more tumultuous tournaments we've ever had but these are most of them the 10 and 11 seeds advanced are are from power conferences but st peter's whoa uh we we do love you in ames and we love the city of ames but but the jersey city gang going to the sweet 16 is is the most uh, amazing thing in this tournament you're not impressed with plucky underdog Michigan as an 11 seed. Yeah. <laughs> I hate those 11 seed. Well, Sully really hates Michigan yeah. as an 11 seed. And we'll get to that. Sure does. Yeah. The teams that just underachieve and then end up as an 11 and then, and then they get their crap together and start playing like they're supposed to. Like UCLA last year. Yeah. Exactly. Like UCLA last year. I have been to St. Peter's. I've actually been really? there. Yes. 
I walked across it in 33 seconds and then went on my life in Jersey City. Um, it has an endowment of 37 million. Coach okay. K makes 10 million a year. Uh, Run Baby Run Arena uh, is harkens back to the 1968 St. Peter's team that averaged 94 points a game and was deemed the Run Baby Run team. And they upset Duke in the 1968 NIT quarterfinals. Whoa, okay. You got a little history here. Yeah, that's why they got the uh, Run Baby Run. 2,600 students, commuters. Yeah. There's no no godly reason that they should be any good, except they're located by a lot of players, and they got Shaheen Holloway as their coach, man. At least for a few more days. Until he goes to Seton Hall. (laughs) (laughs) Holloway, if you don't remember him as a player, one of the best high school guards I've ever seen. Yeah, he was outstanding. He was an he's an incredible basketball player, but if you see him on the sidelines, he's like five nine. He says he's five ten, and so there just was only so far he was really going to go. I mean, you you can make the NBA at five ten or under, but it's yeah, he wasn't that good. But he was. I mean, if this kid's six two, he's he's made uh, you know a quarter billion playing in the NBA. Incredible player, and I just loved his team's really well coached. Yeah, and he absolutely. talks about how fearless they are. He said, we're not scared. I got a bunch of Jersey and New York kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the the victories, they should have faded against Kentucky 15 times. Oh. I don't even I think mean, Kentucky you, played that bad. No, I mean. You, they play seen, well, but, yeah. you know, for a two to lose to a 15, we have seen twos just be garbage. I didn't even think Kentucky was garbage. I didn't think they could play a lot better and should have won. But there was a lot of St. Peter's just beating them, and they really beat Murray. It wasn't yeah. like just some lucky shots or something like that. No. I mean, they, they made some, some outstanding plays, and they showed great poise and resilience. I mean, we have seen though, that game a hundred times, and in 97 or 98 of those hundred, the plucky underdog that's been hanging on and hanging on can't quite finish. You know, they can't make the plays at the end. The other team makes the big ones. They're too big. They're too fast. They're too strong, whatever. Uh, that that was not the case. They did make Overtime usually gets them. Yeah, right. When that game went into overtime, that's what I thought. Oh, yeah, Kentucky win by six or eight. Yep. And no, they just kept making the plays. I mean, it was, it was a wonderful, wonderful performance. The Peacock. You know why they named the Peacock? I don't. Okay, more St. Peter's trivia. It is not because of the peacock, uh, the animal. I mean, it is kind of, but it was the the school, the land that the school was on was once owned by a man named Michael Rennerson Paw. His last name is P-A-U-W. Who's, that last okay. name means peacock in Dutch. Really? Okay. There you go. Uh, the student God. newspaper used to be called the Pow Wow. That was the name. Uh, it's Funny. now the... St. Peter's Tribune. Yeah, funny you mentioned that. I uh, I had occasion to write about St. Peter's once. I haven't been to the campus, but I wrote about them and I interviewed somebody from the student paper in 1995 when they made the tournament on a buzzer-beating shot by a ponytailed player named Mike Friendsley. And I called the student paper. I'm in Louisville. Just I just was captivated by the whole scene. So I called the student paper and I'm like, so, you know, what was campus like? And woman's telling me, and then I said, well, you know, what What do you think watching the games? Like, yeah, I was at the paper, so I couldn't go to the game. So I'm watching and I look up and it's like, 
Oh, that's Mike from English class who made the winning <laughs> shot. Like that's St. Peter's, right? That's Saint 2, Peter's. people. Yeah. That's why we may, we need to never get rid of these things. Right. Um, so the fact, and the, I love it. The, the, they had like a spirit squad, but they couldn't go cause they couldn't afford it. And then somehow there was like a peacock network or some, somebody sponsored them to take a bus ride through the night to Indianapolis. And now the, the game is in, in Philly. We'll see how long St. Peter's can last, but the fact the game is, you know, within drivable distance is just great. Yeah. They get to sop up a whole year and, and they get Purdue, you know, they play. Everybody Purdue and, who's ever had any connection to that school should be in Philadelphia. Yeah. Just, just awesome. Awesome. This is what it's, uh, this is what it's all about. So yeah, Iowa state, we love you. Um, we love you more than the actors in the, uh, no, not actors, <laughs> the, your former citizens who bailed on you. I don't want right. to hear, I'm going to look up on their social media feeds, all these people that are in that hooray Ames video that moved. Are they, are they still claiming allegiance to Ames and, and oh, Iowa they, state? I'm sure they are. I'm sure we know these type of people, opportunists, grifters, the basketball team came became what the football team was supposed to be. Uh, that's right. That's exactly true. And I tell like I gave this Iowa State team no chance, as you said, I did say on the air. But I, this is their these were their March performances before the tournament. Lost to Oklahoma State, who wasn't that good. Fifty three to thirty six at home. They scored thirty six. They lost to Baylor seventy five sixty eight. And then in the Big Twelve tournament, they lost to Texas Tech seventy two to 41 they lost by 31 points the last time they played then they went out and beat lsu in wisconsin great defensive team horrific offensive team yeah scored 59 and 54 in victories gave up 54 and 49 uh wisconsin's gone i wisconsin's like my least favorite college basketball team so i'm never sad to see them no they're brutal they're They're brutal they're 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 a tough watch that was a tough watch it was a lot of tough there was some great games there was also just horrendous officiating yeah horrendous officiating and then the replay reviews oh my, oh my gosh. gosh yeah and yeah. I, I don't even like the replay the replay review is that they'll, they'll overturn the call and it'll technically be the right call like it'll skim some guy's fingertip and actually be off him but only because some guy just like mauled him in a foul <laughs> and spiked it off of, like and then well, they yeah, can't review that so you're like this is this is crap yeah, and the ball being pushed out of someone else's hands, but last touching the fingernail of the other guy. That the, the other guy is the one knocking it out of bounds. That's where that, that stuff just drives me, drives me nuts. And you know, and I, John Gassaway covered college basketball for a while for ESPN. Made a good point on Twitter. He, he brought up like the 2011 Big East tournament game where Rutgers got completely robbed against St. John's, and there was no replay review, and people would lose their minds if that happened in the NCAA tournament now. But there has got to be a happy medium between no review and too many reviews that take too long. We've got to find a way to make review more efficient uh, and quicker. Just, you know, they've got to speed those things up. I mean, it's tough because, you know, if you're in the game, you work your whole life for this game, you can wait an extra 30 seconds. Absolutely. But, and if you're a gambler... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> all yeah. of a sudden this becomes very arbitrary uh and they're you know they're all pretty much embracing gambling oh there's no gambling ads during the NCAA. that was interesting i saw no gambling yeah. ads no. uh we can get to some ads but like it was hard like that the arizona tcu game was hard to stay up for on the east coast it just like you know it's late yep. i'm exhausted from sitting around watching so much basketball it's very tiring <laughs> 
And um, it's hard. Yeah. It's hard. It's not easy watching 16 hours a day. I'm telling you. <laughs> that game was bonkers. Oh, um, unbelievable. TCU. I don't know how it wasn't a foul at the end of regulation. I don't know. Yeah. And all the calls weren't for Arizona, somewhere against Arizona. It was just, this is a foul. And then, you know, there's a reach in foul. And then some guy just gets mauled and it's no foul. Um, no idea what's going on. Uh, that was a tough yeah. one, but that was a huge win for Arizona. Yeah. I mean, that game. Yeah. I mean, like TCU was one of those teams. You just start loving when you, the more that game went along and they got that six eleven, two 268 pound center who looks like he's probably more like 288 and used to be 348. <clears throat> you know, and they're just playing their guts out and they're right there. They're in the game. And it, it was a terrible last possession. I believe it was a foul, but it also could have been over the over and back uh, backcourt violation. And I'm not sure I wanted to see would have liked to have seen TCU get rewarded for such a lousy last play. You know, it was a foul got, at midcourt, right? So it's like, yeah, it's sort of like, what are you doing out there? <laughs> right, right. I mean, the whole the whole last play was just wild chaos. Then Arizona's flying back down the court with the clock going off, and like, shoot the ball, shoot the ball. He kept going, and then dunks it too late. I mean, it was that was survive in advance. Uh, if ever there was one, yeah, if there ever was one. So we have TCU didn't pull it out, but pretty good day for the pretty good weekend for the Big Twelve. Let's go kind of conference yep. by conference. Right? We mentioned Iowa State. Is in Kansas is still in Baylor lost obviously Texas Tech is still in Houston which is going there soon and very well could beat Arizona if if Arizona had trouble with the tenacity of TCU yeah, where do they, they see strap Houston up. yeah they that was a good prep for Arizona because Houston is just a problem yeah I don't know if they, I don't think they're gonna win it but that's man do I not want to play those guys yeah. No, they are they are athletic and vicious and get after everything all the time. It's a classic Kelvin Sampson team. It really is. And the thing that, like, this is really one of his best coaching jobs because they had two major injuries, two of their best players gone for the season in, like, December and January. And I talked to him February 1st, and he was sounded pretty down about it. Like, we basically don't have enough bodies. We can't practice full-time. I'm just trying to manage games so that we're in the second half in them. And for a while, that was true. I watched them a couple times like, oh, boy, they, they, they don't have much. And now they just look totally re-energized. And so he's, he's found some depth out of somewhere and rearranged roles and, and got guys playing at a high level. And it's, they are going to get after Arizona, and we'll see how Arizona responds to it. Yeah. That is going to be that's going to be a good one. We'll preview next round uh, going forward, but that, I thought you know decent weekend for the for the uh, for the Big Twelve. One other positive I wanted to mention uh, is Miami. They're going to play Iowa State. Miami, if, not just this team, but this program nearly got destroyed. The the FBI scandal. They were linked in there. They were written in there. The initial indictments was all that mentioned Miami a bunch. And as the cases went on, there was nothing on Miami, virtually nothing. And it was kind of proven that the guy who kept talking about Miami was just making it up. And there wasn't any evidence against Miami. While there was enormous amounts of evidence about everybody else, they never had anything come out about Miami. And Miami kept saying, we're clean, we didn't do it, we're not getting that kind of help, blah, blah, blah. But that really hurt their program. 
Yeah. Because they they're were. not Kansas and can just roll through it. So for Jim Laranega and Miami to have survived that and regrouped and are now a potential, you know, they get they get an 11 seed Iowa State for the Elite Eight um, would be it would be it's just massive for that program. And, and it, it says a lot about Laranega and the staff there and everybody that they could survive that because that isn't easy to do. And they really did get screwed. I mean, it just it just never came out that they did anything. Right. And they never they, should have they, been mentioned in the first place. Yeah, they had one player, I think, had some ties to Christian Dawkins. But, you know, that was really outside of and, and he was declared ineligible uh, uh, outside of the purview of the staff. And then, yeah, it was Nasir Little's recruitment where yeah. where Miami got pulled in. He ended up going to North Carolina, but it was Arizona that was like trying to find out is Miami paying him. Right, and, and his thing. handler was saying that probably you're not going to be able yeah. to do as well as Miami, but they're really it was all a bluff, and that's all that goes on in these things. So um, yeah. that that's a great win for for Jim Laranega and Miami. It's huge to rebound huge. and and hopefully go forward. I saw he got an extension, and with yeah. that behind him, that's that's a solid program that should keep yeah. going. He's a great coach, and this is what they, so they had won 20 games in a row four straight years. The scandal hits. People, they're, they're transferring, they're, they can't recruit. Their next three years, 14 and 18, 15 and 16, 10 and 17. They finally get out from under it this year, have a good team, get in the tournament, and now, boom, 25 and 10 and, and going on. And, man, they were so fearless against Auburn. They were like, yeah, Auburn, you may have two first-round draft picks and a bunch of other super athletes. We're good, too, and we're athletic, and we're just going to go with you and see how it turns out. And, and they, so, they embarrassed Auburn. Auburn quit at the end of the game. That was that was really an embarrassing last four or five minutes, I thought, for Auburn, for a team that had been that good to just give up. And they just gave up layup after layup, fast break after fast break, took terrible shots. So kudos, though, to Miami and Jim Laranega, who's been a very good coach for a very long time. Uh, Miami knew they had Auburn beat, like, that whole second half. There was a play in the second half. I don't think it was in the last five. I think it was maybe like eight or nine minutes left. They were up about 12 or 10. And there was a loose ball and they had a, they threw a pass down. They had a guy breaking for an easy dunk and they overthrew the pass. I can't remember yeah. the exact sequence. Yeah. yeah. They were and up it went 12 out of when that happened. Yes. I think there were 12. And now normally if you're springing the upset, that is like, oh no, we need every point. And they flash over to Laranaga and he's just laughing. Yeah. And right. the players are like, yeah, all right, we'll get the next one. It wasn't like, oh no, we just lost two points. It was like, we're going to keep doing this to Auburn. Yeah. Um, they, I yeah. mean, I think they you had the best point about Auburn. The, the NCAA basketball tournament was not held in Auburn. Yeah. If, it, if it had right. been, they were really good at home and not so good. All right. We've, this is too much positive. Uh, yeah, I agree. Okay. Let's, let's get let's to start uh, killing people. Sully, you've been noticeably silent. <laughs> uh, I think we spent a lot of time this year on the SEC talking up Kentucky, Tennessee, and Auburn. Mm -hmm. And uh, they went a combined two and three. Uh, Kentucky with good. the disastrous loss to, to to St. Peter's. Worst loss in school history, but who's counting? <laughs> Worst loss in school history. Stunner. Uh, I, Cats I, fans I, are. I think you, you <laughs> might have brought up the point uh, that they followed the worst program, worst year in program history by the worst loss in program history. Oh, yeah. oh boy. From 9-16 and 16 last year to losing to St. Pete this year. Not good. Not good enormous pressure now on John Calipari next year. Like, it's like, you bet. I mean, because this was the team that was pretty likable and, and, and played pretty well. And again, I thought they would do fine. 
And if they could have just survived that, they very well might have. I thought the best joke was Kentucky so so adamant about not playing Murray State that they decided to lose to <laughs> through the game. But otherwise, they're sitting in a Sweet 16 with Purdue and and the and uh, Baylor's gone and you know like Kentucky, this this was their year and they didn't get it done. Uh, if I'm Calipari next year, like it's it's almost Final Four or, or I don't know what. I mean, it's like it's, it's hard to get a better. It's hard to get a coach that can handle Kentucky like he can the enormity, but you can't have yeah. these two seasons at Kentucky. No, and that's you know, look the 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 premise when he got there, it was going to be the ultimate recruiting monster, and then they, that was just going to churn out championships. We're now at ten years and counting without a national championship. We're now at seven years and counting without a Final Four. They had a very good team in 2020. They might have been a Final Four team uh, if, if the pandemic right. hadn't wiped out that team. They've had some other good teams. But Kentucky, the standard is not, hey, let's go to the Sweet 16. The standard is let's go to the Final Four and let's win championships. And John Calipari's declining returns have been noticed within the state. Let's just say that. Oh, yeah. And and he 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 goes with that. That's actually why he's good for the job is that he doesn't shy away from that. He's not, right. I think I saw no. Chris Holtman talking the other day or after they lost to Villanova. It's hard to win games in this tournament. Like, dude, you're Ohio State. Yeah. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> yeah. right. you, ha- you have the advantages. Use yeah. the advantages. You're Ohio State. You got to make some sweets. That's the one thing Calipari does that I think has always been best for, like, he's not sitting there going, oh, you guys just want to. It's like, no, this is unacceptable, but it's still unacceptable. So next year, I mean, the next year is just, there, there can be no, uh, they need a good regular season uh, and they need, they need to, they need to win in, in, in March. I mean, they just, this, I would say final four, anything other than a final four next year is, uh, uh, is problematic uh, for, for, for Calipari. You can't, be at Kentucky that long. And like you said, the seven, you know, they haven't been a final four since the undefeated team, right? Right. Since 2015. Yeah. They lost to Wisconsin with that undefeated team. Yeah. With, with Devin Booker sitting on the bench while the Harrison twins dribbled out the shot clock consecutive, three consecutive times. Harrison twins were, yeah, they're the curse of the Harrison twins. Um, <laughs> all right, Sully, your turn in the, in the woodshed. Go ahead, Sully. Let's let, let let's hear your feelings. Explain yourself. Honestly, after 30 minutes ago, I was really down. And then uh, Nico Imalieva, five-star quarterback, number nine in the country, just committed to Tennessee and Josh Heupel. So there are no worries anymore. It's a lot like a lot like Auburn and LSU. It is spring football season. It is baseball season. They're they're leading the country in home runs and RBIs right now. Everything's good. It's just fine. No, but no, that, that was that was that was an awful loss. You're up by six under 10 and it, it was that's that's a tough tough blow to a, a, a yet another rick barnes team that had all the talent and all the makings to make a deep run and couldn't get it done you know and i was worried about the streakiness of this team and they picked a hell of a time to have their worst eight minute stretch in two months so that, that's march sometimes shoot two for 18 from three-point range uh yeah yeah you know and that again michigan was was no ordinary 11 seed but I mean, Tennessee, this was supposed to be the year, right? They had the breakthrough by winning the SEC tournament for the first time since 1979, and there's just no carryover here. And, yes, the Rick Barnes record in March is problematic, extremely problematic. That guy has had some great teams that have flamed out almost always in this round, the second round. 
I mean, he's had some brutal losses. Uh, yeah, you said, uh, you know, sometimes this happens in the tournament. It always happens with Rick Barnes. Yeah. There's the 2003 Texas Final Four team with T.J. Ford. Love T.J. Ford. He hasn't gotten past. He has a see once since then. He has one sweet six, two sweet sixteens, two elite eights. Everything Wasn't it, else. Was it Tim Floyd who just whipped the ass of uh, the Kevin Durant team? Kevin Durant's team. He had, I mean, he's had tons of players. So next February, when you're all getting excited, Sully. Yep. Keep yeah. it in check just a little bit because you know what could be coming. I don't know what happens, but that was a, that was a right, disaster. Right, it, but it's it's I'm it is a disaster. It, but it, you got to flip the page. It's year to year, and, <laughs> yeah, really, and it, it is. It absolutely <laughs> is. And I mean, this is we're talking about a program that's made seven second weekends ever. So this is not a Kentucky situation where you're like, all right, Final Four bust. They're still trying to make their first Final Four. They got a banner up. That was a hell of a season. Broke the SEC tournament curse. Next is the Final Four. Next time. Yeah, I will say, Sully did get his back up a year or two ago when I, when I laughed at him when he said that Tennessee could make the Final Four because Tennessee never makes the Final Four. I'm still right on that, but I appreciate and actually respect your fan attitude of, hey, there's always next year, but even more importantly, there's spring football and there's recruiting and there's baseball. You can always honest. direct your attention elsewhere. Hey, when you get when you get your first five star quarterback since 2002, that's a program changing deal. So I can get a there little excited there. Did you did you yep. did you kick in on the collective? Did you kick in? I did not kick in on the collective, but I, I will buy whatever shirt he comes out with. I'm sure there'll be there a go. shirt. Send him some Zaxby's. That'll yeah. be your contribution. He's actually playing down in Long Beach Poly, so I'm gonna I'm gonna be catching. Oh really? Him. Yeah, I'll be catching him this fall. The law, the Kevin Durant season. Yeah, that was Tim Floyd, USC. Uh, yeah. Beat him by 19. I mean, that was, you got Kevin Durant and you, you, they lost 10 games. But yeah. Not just th- Kevin Durant. You also had DJ Augustine, longtime pro point guard. That's true. They had Augustine, you know? incredible recruiting class. I was reminded over the weekend of Shaq's college career, which never got past <laughs> the Sweet 16 either. Right. Shaq played three seasons at LSU. The the number of great players who played a long time in college. It's hilarious, really, looking back, if you applied today's standards to them. Oh, oh yeah. Unbelievable. Big 10, not good. No. Bad. Not good. Purdue saved them and Michigan. Clearly, the coaches need to smack more people in the, in the handshake line. <laughs> Worked for Coach Howard. He got that aggression out. Had a little reflection time in the penalty box. And uh, Michigan's in there. Uh, I thought they got a great um, draw, to be honest with you. They're a good team. But Colorado State was not a whatever the hell they were. No, that, that Colorado State, that was, the, that was a great draw for Michigan because they had no interior guy that could even remotely deal with uh, Dickinson. And Tennessee has got Rick Barnes on the sideline. Um, Purdue, though, uh, it's wide open for Purdue. Uh, one to two they, seeds are gone. They get, uh, get St. Peter's. Yep, they are what going happens? to be at the pearly gates. I mean, they've got the chance here for Purdue. I, I wrote I wrote a, about 4,000 words on Purdue's star-crossed NCAA history last week, and they've, you know, they've had some bad, bad luck, some bad injuries, some bad losses. Uh, and this team, I, I think, good enough and absolutely has the draw. If the, the toughest thing in your path to New Orleans is – Probably UCLA, uh, 
You're you're willing to take that chance. If you can get to a sweet 16 with a four and eight and a 15 seed there. Yeah. You got to make it. (laughs) That's it. That's your good luck. So this is it. Matt Painter and Purdue. It's all right there for you. Couple more. uh, Ken Palm hated Providence. Pat Forty hated Providence. Providence is right there. I still don't along representing the Dunkin' Donuts. Can we talk about Providence for a second? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. They're in the Sweet 16. Yeah, they they've beaten a 13 seed and a 12 seed. And we're all of a sudden now, oh, now all of a sudden everyone was wrong about them because they beat two teams that if you'd beaten them in November, December, nobody would have even batted an eye. Uh, And the South Dakota State Providence bias. You're biased against Providence. (laughs) No, I I said last week, no one could hate Providence. You hate Providence. I don't hate Providence. And I, you know what? Congratulations to them for winning both games. I did think they were going to lose to South Dakota State. So I was wrong there for sure. But in that South Dakota State game, when the lead got down to three at one point and they were like out, the shot clock was running out and they got a gift of a foul for a three point penalty or three point three shots. And after that, that was that was that was one of those important foul calls in the uh, the course of a close game. So they got through that, and then hey, they they totally took care of business against Richmond. But so have many many other teams this year taking care of business against Richmond. Providence gets a chance to uh, take on Kansas, so they will prove it one way or the other. Maybe my favorite bit of um, punditry this weekend was Rex Chapman uh, talking about the great Providence team of the past in the '90s that featured God Sham God, and as he said. The late Pete Gillen. No, oh, that's right. <laughs> I was, I was, I felt very bad when I heard that because I didn't realize Pete Gillen had died. <laughs> so Turns Pete out Gillen, he hadn't. He had. No, Pete Gillen must have felt bad when he yeah. heard that. Works for CBS with him. Well, so good job, works, buddy. At, yes, he covers the tournament. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was at work. I was like, "What? Pete Gillen died?" I thought I would have. That would have, like, you know, I mean. Good guy. <laughs> Rex, needs, he's a little rough around the edges as an analyst. I think that yeah, was kind of the yeah. point was to bring him in. He's a little, he's a little, uh, little rough uh, around. Conventional, yeah. <laughs> okay. They had Huggins so, yeah. on there. Yeah, well, yeah, Huggins bringing the energy. Huggins <laughs> like, telling stories yeah. for like five minutes. Yeah. It's like <laughs> Huggs is used to sitting around a bar, everyone listening. Right. And he, and he talks us, in his bar like, voice. We, we got a commercial coming up here, Huggs. Let's make the point. But at least he didn't <laughs> declare Pete Gillen dead. No. Rule so. one but for, for Rex and everybody else, if you are in journalism or broadcasting anyway, don't kill somebody who's not dead. Don't do it. Don't do it. Um, all right. Two more. Carolina almost blew it. What a game that was. Oh, my God. 25 my God. points. <laughs> but they made it. They are, uh, man, what a 180 that season has done from the walk up to the Duke game to now. I mean, everybody thought they were, at least everybody, myself certainly included, thought they would lose by 100 to Duke. They win that game, and that got them in the tournament. They may have been otherwise, but that definitely got them in. And then to have a number one seed beaten by 25 with 10 minutes to play and then end up in overtime. I mean, and you want to talk about some officiating. I'm sorry, but that was probably the worst officiated tournament game I've ever seen. The refs lost control so completely and Baylor did the smart thing. Baylor's like, hey, we just got to press. And so we are we are running through people. We are hacking everyone. We are going over everyone's back. Dare you to call it. And they didn't 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 call it. 
And I mean, it was mayhem, absolute mayhem the last 10 minutes of that game. And if Baylor had won, and this is not, look, awesome character and, and effort from Baylor to come back and tie that game, but they got a lot of help doing it. And if Baylor had won, I just think would have felt very badly for this North Carolina team. North Carolina's gotten a million great whistles over the years. This was a very bad whistle that nearly cost them a humongous upset and a huge victory for Hubert Davis in his first year. Uh, so there was a little bit, I think, of karma in overtime there. I uh, my I think my favorite game of the year of the weekend was Gonzaga Memphis. Just from the jump, it was incredibly high level. Yeah, great game. Gonzaga wins it. Uh, two things. One, I, the way Memphis played, I don't know that they don't beat everybody else in the, in the NCAA tournament that day. They were like, fantastic. They were unbelievable. This was everything Penny was trying to put together. Just tremendous, <laughs> tremendous athletes, depth, defensive intensity, teamwork. I mean, they were great. Uh, I think they they probably could have beaten anybody except Gonzaga. Gonzaga held on. And my my point a couple weeks ago, uh, where I wondered whether Drew Timmy was good. <laughs> okay, he was. I think really he's good. answered you. He was really good. Um, I, he was really good. They don't win without him. But, 25, man. 14, four assists, no turnovers uh, for him against in that game. Yep. And so and far, this- yeah, he's been the best player in the tournament right now. So he's averaging 27 and a half points, 13 and a half rebounds. He's been great. Big Chet. Not, Chet was not very good. Not very good against that level of athlete. Nope. Real interesting as you look at the NBA. I don't know what's, I don't know what to make of Chet. Holmgren as an NBA player. It's all there, but then there's this. It's like in nine and nine, four blocks, but he probably like, yeah, because I mean, what they got over in Memphis, that's the entire league. Yeah. Long, <laughs> yes. twitchy dudes coming at right. you full on. Yeah, that's exactly right. And that he does. He's look, I mean, like his stat line against Georgia State was ridiculous. 19 points, 17 rebounds, seven blocks, five assists. But that's Georgia State. And Memphis was a totally different level of athlete, as you said, and it was more of a struggle for him there. Yeah, it was a lot of commercials when you're watching the NCAA basketball tournament. I have a few I have a few items. I don't know if you have any, Sully. Pat probably is like redoing stat lines or something during commercials, but I know you watch. I, I, I did not pay super close attention, so you guys uh, carry me. I feel, I feel good about my Tyler selection as a, as a breakout. Tyler from Wendy's, a breakout star. Cracks me up every time. Doesn't say a lot. Not the only guy in the commercial, but uh, but like I'm Sully. You got anybody? Yeah, I, I still love the Nissan ones uh, where where they have all the different mascots. Like they're going through the drive-through and the 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 leprechaun mascot from Notre Dame's ordering chicken, and then the cocky's batting at him, and then he's got the Virginia Tech hokey in the back. Love those little putty mascot. Uh, that's that's what it's all about, right there. I and like you get the to one- see teams that didn't even make it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What is that? <laughs> <laughs> they're in there. Uh, also, when they're driving the car in their mascot hats, like their uniform, you know, the costume, and then it says underneath, like, don't try this at home. You're a professional driver. <laughs> on a car. Well, I go, okay. Yeah, I was going to get in the Sparty. I'm a Sparty, the Spartan outfit and drive down the <laughs> I-75. Yeah. Um, we, want, we want no part of your lawsuit when you say you got this idea yeah, from our commercial. Good. Yeah. Uh, Lily from AT&T. Uh, skipped oh out God. on work to go to the the, the, the oh, March Madness. Oh, that was that. that yeah, was that bit. Okay. That was the bit. So she's trying to get Coach K. Uh, I'm not. I don't know if I feel good about Lily having an outside life. I think she should just stay <laughs> stay at the AT and T store. She's worked there for ten years and has never now, gotten promoted. 
<laughs> yeah, she's still there. Never got promoted, and now apparently she saved up enough for some March Madness tickets, and she's good for. But her. she's yeah. What is? I don't know. I don't know if I you feel know, about that. Everyone needs a work life balance, Dan. I don't think you should regret her or resent her ability okay. to to have some fun outside of the office. It's really not. What, Coach K was trying to get a job, like being yeah, because he's manager. almost unemployed. He needs to yeah. have some free yeah. time, uh, but he didn't. Well. She wasn't stirred. Matt Stafford was Not there. Yet. That was clever. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot there. Geico has got this commercial with the Geico, Gecko, Geico, whatever, is uh, at a diner with a woman and they're talking. Oh, yeah. If you watch closely. Yeah, the introvert. She has a cup of coffee and a plate uh, and a basket of French fries. That's her order. She's drinking black coffee and eating French fries. She's carb and caffeine loading. That's, that's <laughs> a bold strategy. I don't know what. <laughs> If I see that in a diner, I'm like psycho. That's like that, that's some red that's some red flags. That's some chaotic energy right there. She's going through things that packaging home and auto is not going to fix. I don't know what it is. I need an origin story on the woman who has a basket of fries and a cup of black coffee. <laughs> packaging home and auto is not going to fix. Uh. Well, it's a start. It could be a start. You know, every person's journey to uh, personal self-actualization, you know, has to start somewhere. Hers might start with packaging home and auto. Do we have any least favorite? I, I'm done with the Coca-Cola commercials. That's a I'm, weird, weird commercial. And they so, have like the Jeepers Creepers music playing over in the background. Like I am watching basketball. I don't need to. I don't need to hear this horror music. For, I, I don't really not big on uh, soda anyway, but like when you want me to try different Cokes to, to taste all the same, to decide which one's the best. It's like, really? This is too much work. They're Coke. so bad. I want the orange vanilla Coke back <laughs> the, from the last three years that yeah. they, they blasted at us. They tried that. They did try the orange vanilla hard and that, that didn't really get very far. How I, is how is the progressive guy helping young homeowners not become their parents? Not a 13 episode sitcom on CBS with a laugh. Seriously. Track. Now that that could be and should. Be. There are parts of those that I think are very funny. That's tremendous. That guy. Yeah. What is this? What like that? That should be a sitcom. Yeah, yeah. Than don't talk about leaving yeah. before the third quarter. That's right, right. That. could be and a whole the one where they were they were removing the garden gnomes or whatever. I yeah. like that. I can. I mean, I'm available to write this thing up. Just hit my <laughs> all my people. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I don't know. Um. All right. Um. I have some more uh, later. Uh. I have. I have. I have a great story later. But I, we did want to get to this. Um. Because there was other NCAA championships this weekend. I for one watched a bunch of the wrestling. Congratulations to Penn State. Uh, which won the wrestling title. I don't know if you ever yeah. watch wrestling, but it's uh, it's a great sport. I mean, it's it's captivating. It is hard sport. Jeez, Louise, that's hard. Oh, these guys, they they they. I mean, the the uh, the effort and the the. I mean, the emotion. I mean, it's just you. There's nothing. Yeah, man yeah. on man from the caves. The sport came from the cavemen. So yeah. I was like, this is it. Me, you, we weigh exactly the same. Let's go. Like <laughs> uh, such a tough sport, um, but Penn State uh, won it. They dominated. Uh, I thought that was good. And then, of course, you were at the swimming. Uh, I believe this is your last swimming NCAA swimming championships. And how blessed are you as a sport parent that that's actually a thing? Your last one uh, with your children in it. And Brooke won one national title as part of what relay was it? The 800 freestyle relay. 800 freestyle relay. Congratulations. Can you imagine that? National champion. Thank you. Yep. It's awesome. Swimming's That's a right. weird sport. There's so many events that people like, like one doesn't get celebrated enough. 
Yeah, well, I know. No, I mean, the vast majority of college swimmers, A, don't get to the championships, and B, don't win when they get there. So she's been very, very fortunate and very good. And so, yeah, she leaves with five uh, national championships, three relay, two individual, and then two team championships, too. <laughs> good Lord. All right. Yeah. There you go. Make us all feel useless. Um <laughs> Obviously, though, the story of the swimming was Leah Thomas, the Penn swimmer, the transgender swimmer who won one event uh, and then finished off the podium in, it, in another and then last in a, in a, in a whole other one. Uh, um, not off the podium. And we'll get to that. We'll, okay. We'll get to that. But just keep that thought. But what? Just tell me this. What was the scene there? Because uh, I thought the coverage was a little lacking. It was either people screaming that Leah Thomas shouldn't be there or screaming that she should, but not enough about like, this had to just been a surreal, like unbelievable thing. Like just this, this moment, whether you agree, disagree or, or in the middle, like what it, 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 it totally different situation. But like, it was like the, the Russian figure skater last uh, Olympics. That was like, whether you agree that the, that she should skate or not, like what pressure, like, I don't know. There's just, what a scene. What was it like inside the, the swimming facility when Leah Thomas, uh, you know, lined up to, to race during, after? What was the crowd like? Take us there, Pat. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was definitely unlike any sporting uh, swimming event that I've been to before. Uh, there was obviously a lot more media attention than anywhere other than the Olympics or maybe the Olympic trials. And it was a very fraught atmosphere outside. Uh, although not quite as hostile as I was perhaps ready for and the Georgia Tech was ready for because they had major security uh, and I was fine with that. So the the actual, you know, atmosphere swimming, probably like a lot of other Olympic sports is generally like rah-rah for everyone. And so everyone is being introduced for the like for the championship final, the 500 freestyle. Leah's the top seed. My daughter was the fifth or sixth seed. She didn't have a very good morning swim, but she got in the final. And they introduce everybody, and I actually – it was a palpable difference, but it was – I was happy that it was not a nasty scene. There was a lot of applause for seven women and not very much applause at all for one. And while that's a lonely feeling for Leah Thomas, it was better than booing. It was better than name-calling. There was some person who I think yelled out, cheater – but that was one person. Apparently, I didn't see it, but there were people who turned their backs when she was introduced. But here's the thing. As usual, Dan, we can take lessons from the young people themselves. The people that were competing against Leah treated her with respect. My daughter was next to her in the preliminaries, was beaten pretty handily by her, shook her hand. Uh, Erica Sullivan, who came in second in the finals, shook her hand. Uh, you know, there was the other people that were a lot more upset and angry for the most part from what I could see and tell than the actual competitors in the pool with her. So it was it was a very interesting scene. And then as the meet went along, like there was resentment, there was anger that she won. And then there was outsized applause when they introduced them. They introduced eight to one. And that's the right. So this podium idea that is one, two, three. No, wrong. It's one through eight. Everyone Everybody, stands up everyone's there. Everyone's on the podium if you make the finals, yeah. right? Top, yeah. Yes, everyone who makes the final. There, there's not a gold, silver, bronze. Everybody gets a trophy one through eight. So there was huge applause for Emma Wyant, who was second in the 500 freestyle from Virginia. There was very little applause again for Leah. Now, you go to the 200 freestyle, 
Leah Thomas gets beaten. Taylor Ruck of Stanford, one of Brooks' good friends and teammates, wins the event. Huge applause for Taylor Ruck for winning that event. Some people felt like that was a statement. Uh, Leah, I think, was fifth in that. And then the 100 freestyle, Leah was eighth. Yeah, so here's, you know, the thing was, like, for people that were prophesying that she was going to come in there, trample everyone, rewrite the rule book or the record book, that didn't happen. She did win. Uh, her time in the final freestyle was good, but not spectacular. When Brooke won the 500 freestyle in 2019, her time was two and a half seconds faster than what Leah went. So if my daughter had swam her lifetime best, she would have won. Uh, the winner last year was faster than what Leah Thomas went. Then again, she did not win the 200 free. This is a hard meet, and she's not used to, Leah Thomas not used to competing. She has not competed in NCAA championships before. The swimmers who have been there before and been through this grind, four days, boom, 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 handled it better. Clearly seemed to get tired, and maybe that was some of that was psychic weight. I mean, I'm sure it was not easy being her in this meet, but this did not overthrow women's sports. At least the results of this did not. Oh, it's interesting. I mean, we've discussed this repeatedly on this podcast. I, I understand the position that, that Leah broke no rules. Uh, the rules are there and all of that. I just I think the rules should be changed. But I completely reject the notion that you can be in favor of different rules that set up to be there is a distinct advantage that Leah Thomas had because she was transgender and 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 believing that there should be you know a different set of rules than you're transphobic or whatever you can want all of the benefits uh kids who are transgender and adults and avoid the suicide rates the drug and alcohol abuse all the different things and and still say hey look I just don't think this is fair so my position yep. was was that but you know one of the problems i think is it just became this it's an easy touchstone and it's like, well, what it's, it's, it's one or the other, right? I just, I just reject that notion. I have to hundred percent agree with, with it all. That's great. If, if, if other people want to, and a number of the uh, Brooke and, and other swimmers, it was a really good piece of Newsweek. Um, it's fine. You can have a difference yeah. of opinion. This is a tricky issue. I'm sorry. It's just not a black no and white issue. At the it same is. time, you don't have, I, I don't want to be aligned up with the people that are just bigots and, and, and are, are creeped out about this or something like that. And there was a lot of yeah. that. I don't want to be lined up with with anybody on this. Yeah, really. I, you know, I mean, of my own is, opinion. It's, yeah, it's it is complicated. Again, she should be treated with respect and inclusion. I don't think it's a level playing field. I've said that before on this podcast. Watched Leah Thomas swim. I've watched all these kids swim for a gazillion years. Uh, I don't think it was a completely level playing field. Uh, and I think, yes, there will be rule changes. This is this is an NCAA problem. It's not a Leah Thomas problem. It's an NCAA problem. This is a slow, reactive, scared organization that didn't want to touch this, uh, didn't see it coming until it was too late, had outdated policies, and now will change them. Because they, they threw this to USA Swimming. USA Swimming says, okay, here's what we're going to do. And then they're like, oh, well, we're not ready to do that yet. Well, okay, fix it going forward. This is not the end of women's sports, but let's fix the situation that was not in as good a position as it should be. All right. One of the issues that came up is it just becomes political fodder, right? So a picture emerges over the weekend of three female swimmers, including Brooke Forty, in a picture. Uh, it's a big picture of, of Leah standing in first spot on the podium and then down there's a little gap and three, I think two, three, four or whatever it was grouped yep. together. And got the, they're getting their own little photo taken, and it is deemed a protest uh, in one of these social media. You know, th these things have no context. 
no facts behind it. It was just, look, there was a protest. The other, the, the, the female swimmers, the traditional female swimmers protesting this and all, and it, and it wasn't that. And it is literally what I hate about American politics uh, and it's conservatives and liberals. You just take whatever little thing you have that you think supports your opinion and you just go with it, whether there's context, whether there's it's accurate, whatever. You don't care about the fallout and all that. So I am correct, am I not, that this was not a protest. <laughs> this was three friends getting their pictures taken because they're all on top of, they're all there. Yeah. Yeah. So here's the thing. And this, yes, to your point, the political fringes in this country, and I'm sure others who have used social media for such dishonest, uh, divisive means. This is this is like one of the great examples I've ever seen of it, because I fully understand the, the full context here and the full story. And when Donald Trump Jr. puts, I think it was on Instagram, that this picture says everything about how people really feel about Leah Thomas. Let me tell you how people really feel about it, including my daughter and how that picture came to be. They have the one through eight, okay? And then the, the five, six, seven, eight, leave the podium. Two, three, and four, Emma Wyatt, Erica Sullivan, Brooke Forty, friends, Olympic teammates, Olympic sweetmates, hadn't seen each other since Tokyo. You know, bonded on that trip and on that team. Hey, can we get a picture together? Erica Sullivan gets the Texas photographer. Can we get this picture together? So that was the small angle picture. Now, the further out angle picture is Leah Thomas being ostracized on the side while these other three are there. And I actually saw the, them getting together for the photo from the stands. And I said, ooh, don't do that. Because I just saw the bigger look of it, you know. Uh, but that they had no intent whatsoever. Now, the hilarious thing about this and the number of people I have seen on social media say, this is how the women really feel. Well, as we said on this podcast, we read my daughter's statement, which was supporting <laughs> Leah Thomas's inclusion in the NCAA championships and said she, quote, had no problem competing against Leah. Erica Sullivan is the person who wrote that the Newsweek, Newsweek yes, story right. that you referenced. Proudly outspokenly gay woman who said, I have no problem with Leah Thomas being in this race and in this competition. Not even no problem. That story celebrated it. Yes. It, it's not even like, hey, whatever, right? And neither was Brooke. That was the thing. And again, they're taking positions that I don't necessarily agree with, but that's their position. It's great. Everyone should have a position. Go ahead. Yeah. And so now, but to, to now ascribe that as, as a mean girl protest to Leah Thomas is the most dishonest thing I've, I've ever been a part of because it's not. And that is a major problem in our society and a major problem of using social media to falsely influence people with things. And I, I mean, the number of people that have taken that and, uh, you know, sent me that picture, like, you're a terrible father for not sticking up for your daughter. First of all, my daughter speaks for herself and speaks really well for herself. She's 23 years old. She's going to graduate from Stanford with two degrees. She's already spoken about this. She's the one in the water. She can handle this. And if we're really about protecting women, why do you want a man to have to stand up for the woman to speak? The women are doing just fine. They're okay. Again, watch the women who are competing. Watch them in the water. Watch how they interact with Leah Thomas. Judge from them, not from what somebody thinks that they're reacting about or should be reacting to. Brooke Forty has got two degrees from Stanford, and you're co-hosting the stupid-ass podcast. <laughs> yeah. Why do you want me to speak for her? <laughs> <laughs> if we could get a different Forty on here, we would take her. <laughs> you're be a better podcast. <laughs> we need a Forty. You're... Right now, you're our top choice, but only because of availability and interest in doing it. <laughs> That's right. You can be replaced. 
Uh, well, it was a wild swimming final, but yeah, that was, uh, that was disturbing and disappointing and completely expected. I mean, it's just, it's, it's absolutely, you see it all the time. Someone said this and then you kind of look into it. Well, it's not quite what someone no, said or this no. bill says this it's, like, eh, it's not really what the, um, i will say but, just real quick i was my wife had the best perspective on it too she because brooke brought it up it's like man I, I i can't believe that picture has caused this furor and trisha said the only person if you feel you don't have to explain to anybody except maybe leah thomas if leah thomas is, is unhappy then tell her hey that's not what we intended otherwise none of your business right yeah i mean it's almost like you just you can't fight it anyway they don't care it's not it's it's supposed to create an instantaneous reaction and just move on. It's not it has nothing to do with any of it. So uh Texas AD Chris Del Conte fogged in, had some plane trouble getting out of Austin. So decided to drive it with his son and a and a like a Texas fan, a Texas fan and the Texas fan's son, 18 hours to Milwaukee. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh um, and try to try to do it. So he's he he. They, they, they give it a shot of uh, Texas fan Patrick Smith and his son Hodges and then Del Conte were going to go. So uh, Patrick they, Smith, a big donor. You know, he's known as wheels to his okay. friends. Trio climbed Del Conte's Ford F-250 uh, pickup and left Austin by mid morning. At least that's the best as he remembers. There is a uh, he took a bunch of pictures. He did. He kind of did it along on Twitter. Um, yeah. Okay. So uh, yeah. Del Conte's really funny. Uh, he yes. says, uh, as they went, uh, he said, I don't even know the rows. Del Conte said, you just press the buttons and the little lady on the machine tells you where to go. I got pulled over in Oklahoma. A guy, I look over and he says, how fast are you going? I'm not really sure. He, he goes, it's 45, but you're going 60. But he said, keep it straight and walked away. An Oklahoma trooper did me a solid. <laughs> that's That's a Red River rarity right there. He heard we were going to the SEC and he said, good work, buddy, and let me go. Uh, Del Conte said his problem was uh, his his bladder is the size of a walnut. So every two hours he has to stop. Uh, Let's see. They ate and and they had a hot tub. They had a hot tub in the middle of the room. Yeah. Yeah. When they they got a room when they got there to Milwaukee. Yeah, no, it, was, it was a quick it was a quick stop at like hour 12 uh, and pull up at 12 o'clock. I said, hey, man, I just need two rooms, please. The guy goes, OK, one at a hot tub. He says, please, no essential oils in the hot tub. <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about? He has a picture of the room. It does have that. Uh, yeah, that thing needs a serious scrubbing before I'm even going near it. <laughs> the honeymoon suite at the <laughs> at the quality Inn. something. In anyway, Illinois, he made it. Uh, his mistake was driving his own car because then you got to drive back. Well, exactly. Should have rented. Right? Oh my goodness, CDC. That's that's some extra effort. And then you're there to see your team get punched out in the second round by Purdue. Shouldn't he, yeah, shouldn't he have his own plane or something like that? Like, something, something. Come on, Longhorns. Uh, all right, briefly in uh, sort of football news, Arkansas is in the Sweet 16, so I guess we can bake it basketball. Good job by Arkansas. But we'll get to you guys uh, when we. When we get to the uh, Sweet 16 part, uh, but uh, football coach Sam Pittman, coach Sam Pittman, uh, added a little statue uh, with. A, I mean, this thing is quite a thing to his house. Uh, have you seen these pictures, Pat, of the Razorback statue? It's really a monument to Razorbacks. <laughs> really, it's a water feature. It seems like the water runs out of this incredible hog's mouth <laughs> on the side of his. 
It's overlooking a lake. Uh, Coach Sam Pittman, he's thanking my friend Brandon White for such a wonderful job. Hashtag the hog is strong. The hog is strong. That's hashtag, a good hashtag turn that damn jukebox on. Is this thing playing music? I don't. <laughs> that was his thing. I don't know. That was his thing after they turn that jukebox on and they start dancing or whatever. Uh, this okay. thing is a monstrous statue. It's like a statue in his yard for the hogs. Now, granted, the hogs are paying him a lot of money, but it, they're paying him a lot of money and he lives in northwest Arkansas. He needs to spend it on something. So, you know, create a, a monument to the hogs. This thing is awesome. Yeah, this is Michelangelo uh, reincarnated. <laughs> <laughs> statue of David, except for a statue of, of hoggies. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. This uh, is an example of someone with too much money, and I love it. I'm here for it. <laughs> and how about this Brandon White guy just waiting his whole life for a chance to make a huge hog waterfall monument? <laughs> well, it's not the first one in that area. Now, they have one on campus, the Wild Band of Razorbacks Monument Fountain which has like five running hogs, mm-hmm. uh, you know, going over the top of a little waterfall. So they they are very much into their uh, pig iconography and statues there. I'm all about yeah. it. Honor honor the pig. It's a, it's a noble creature. <laughs> hey, and you know, I... Uh, oh my I God, a... I just remembered. How about speaking of pigs, we had a pure be- pig bear attack. What? That's true. Yeah, a bear jumped in a pig pen. <laughs> and the two pigs fought fought him away. Yeah, really they ran. They yeah. fought off the bear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they fought off the bear. That Where bear was that? Kind of, is that Arkansas uh, too? I don't know. Just this, this bear. Why he was going for some bacon and it didn't yeah. happen. <laughs> wow, it's in Connecticut. That's Connecticut. Wow, I didn't. I mean, I would kind of think the Northeast hogs would be a little soft, but no, apparently not. Hell no. And like, no, no, no. Like I said on Twitter, this poor bear guy, he's going to go back to his buddies and you're like, hey, what'd you eat for dinner? And I'm like, actually, I skipped out on it because I tried to eat these pigs and they actually beat the hell out of me. <laughs> he almost had an absolutely fantastic dinner. That's the thing. Yeah. Like he had a chance. Right? He wimped away. Um, probably shouldn't have tried right. to go one on two. No. You know? All right. Then speaking of, of dinner, the, the chicken wars are still going on, but we have a new thing. We have the fish sandwich war. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Yeah. You know, it's Lent. You know, yeah. a lot of Catholics oh. won't eat uh, a meat on Friday, so fish fries are big, and, and obviously uh, fish, the filet fish is the uh, is the king of, of the fish sandwich, whether it deserves it or not. Popeye's as this, well uh, but has, has also released a fish sandwich recently. Popeye's is out with a fish sandwich. Mm-hmm. I think we mentioned the fish sandwich wars are heating up. Well, uh, our friends at Arby's, uh, have employed uh, the rapper Pusha T. If you remember Pusha T, of course, is a is a rapper. It's worked with the you know had some feuds with Drake and little. It's Pusha T. Pusha T put out a, a a diss track. He said he says uh, Arby's paid me, but I would say this anyway. Uh, so this is the Arby's spicy fish diss track. <laughs> uh, S- Sully, will you play the song for everybody? This is a uh, Pusha T. It's. It's something. I, I I listen to it. It's something. Hit it. Hit it. Solid. I'm the reason the whole world love it. Now I gotta crush it. Filet your fishes. 
then you should be disgusted. How dare you sell a square fish asking us to trust it? A half slice of cheese, Mickey D's on a budget? Arby's crispy fish is simply it. With lines round the corner, we might need a guest list. Eggs is stage left, the sandwiches taste fresh. A little cube of fish from a clown is basic. Say less, this argument is baseless. Drowned in charter, that filet fish is tasteless. See, Arby's only deals in the greatness. I bet the house on it like it's Vegas. Look, I could sell water to a well. How could you ever think I'd fail? Yeah, the crispy fish sandwich blazing trails. The mother clown's just too frail. Yeah, if you know me and you know me well, our fish is gonna tip that scale. All right. Push a T going after McDonald's there. Yes. So how do you expect me to trust a square fish? He's got a point there. I mean, got a know, point. He does. Got a got a point on that. Uh, Arby's going to be so popular. You need a guest list. What is he? Uh, <laughs> don't take a fish from a clown. <laughs> Pat, will you go get the spicy fish sandwich? Because push a T. <laughs> because push a T told me to. He pushed it on me. Uh, no. I mean, really, I don't know how much he's saying that the Arby's is that good. He's just saying filet fish sucks, and I kind of agree. I don't eat the filet fish so I I eat no fast food fish. Period. So Pusha T and Arby's and McDonald's are all out of luck with me there. However, <laughs> I am inspired by the fact that they would even come up with the idea of let's do a diss track. Let's see who can we get. Like like <laughs> even sitting in the boardroom. Okay. How are we going to sell? Well, we're going to do a diss track. We're going to go after McDonald's. Okay, who are we going to get? Pusha T. And somebody's like, yes, go get Pusha T. <laughs> and how much does it cost to get Pusha T these days to do a diss track for Arby's? I don't know. I need information on this. Probably available. <laughs> I got to try it. I got to try it now. You're going to yeah. do it? I saw you. They you test you it out. I don't like the fish sandwich at all. I agree. What's with the, the piece of cheese on the filet of fish is particularly worrisome <laughs> we know you're not going anywhere near tartar sauce because that's in the mayonnaise family, no so yeah that's the yeah sorry i used to get anyway, a salmon good. biscuit with a slice of cheddar cheese in high school before uh from a local restaurant and it was salmon a, a, it, it was a questionably frozen salmon patty fried and put on a biscuit with some cheese and it was it was actually good well, let's recap here <laughs> let's recap a questionably frozen salmon patty in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Yeah. So the the salmon, the nearest salmon is like probably up northeast coast, Maine, up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Okay. Good luck. <laughs> Do not trust the salmon patties. So farm. Uh, I'm not worried farm about the table. My, my stomach. Farm the table. That's right. Farm to table. They don't say how long in between. <laughs> everything's farm to table right, well, yeah, right. um yeah. sully have you had, ever had anything at a at a fast food place that you didn't think was least yeah absolutely yeah <laughs> really? I, I, i'm not a big i'm not a big del taco guy i feel like that's a little overrated if i'm gonna get it <laughs> all right hold on i don't think it's really rated <laughs> no people love it out here i don't People Del love Taco Del Taco. Not that good. People love it out here over Taco Bell, and I'm like, I am a Taco really? Bell guy. If I'm if I, I'm going to get just just absolutely obliterated in just nasty fake cheese, I'm I'm going to go to Taco <laughs> Bell. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll run for the border for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Del Taco. Huh. Okay. Mm-mm. All right. Well, push a T. We appreciate you. Good. Good. <laughs> still, still. 
speaking the truth to power. I'm, I'm, going still, right I'm after still recovering from that spicy Arby's chicken sandwich. So yeah, I, I'm, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm a little intimidated, honestly, about yeah. this guy. I could go back to the Memphis, Indiana truck stop uh, Arby's maybe and try this fish sandwich or maybe not. Or not. Or not. <laughs> All right. That's our that's our pod. We'll be back later this week. We'll preview the Sweet 16. We'll get into the matchups. If we didn't get to your favorite team, uh, so be it. Anyway, we will eventually. On. We'll pick the rest of the games, right? Eight games Thursday, Friday. We'll pick them. We'll pick them. There you go. All right. Appreciate everyone listening. Uh, we will uh, talk to you later. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader, too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.